Hello and welcome to Cooking for the Balls Emergency Broadcast System. <laughs> this may be an emergency, but maybe not. But Russia has invaded the Ukraine. Hello. Dum, dum, dum. I'm Ben, and welcome to Cooking for the Ball on the Post to the Apocalypse. I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And Pete. Hello. We were going to do something else this week. Uh, obviously, the events of the last few days have, have unfolded upon us, and there's a, a real escalation of things in the Ukraine and Russia situation. Russia has launched a full-on ground invasion. It's brown pants time. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely brown treasure time. Every male, every able-bodied male in Europe, aged 18 to 40, is looking rather nervously at the Russian frontier. Yeah. Especially anybody that's ex-forces. Yes. Oh, fuck's sake. Anybody that lives on the planet is shitting themselves because yeah. it's also, nuclear. If it goes nuclear, we're all fucked. That's it. We could be looking at the very real possibility of a World War Three in Europe, depending on how the situation escalates or de-escalates. And the end of life as did, we know did, it. Did none of us like, mention the fact that Vladimir Putin could have actually been a potential candidate last week? Of the Antichrist? Yeah. You know what, his name never came up. Well, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's only this week I've thought... Maybe he's the fucking Antichrist. Oh, <laughs> how things change, eh? Yeah. Well, let's make an amendment to last week's episode. Yeah, just a little add-on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just quickly thank some new and returning listeners, then we'll crack straight into it. Oklahoma City in Oklahoma, Czesniak in Czech Republic, Curitibio in Brazil, Frankfurt and Maine, Germany, uh, St. Petersburg in the Russian Federation. Well, you can stop listening. <laughs> What? Only joking. What? No. <laughs> we, know, we, we know we know not everyone supports his no, stupidity. Of course. Let's <laughs> hope you're not I'm, one of them, hey. I'm only joking, it's okay. Mm. There's also a little bit of a play with oh we're taking the uh, Champions League final and the uh, Eurovision off Russia. Sure that alert. And the Formula One. And the Formula One. Serbiton, the United Kingdom, I've seen you before, welcome back. Gdansk in Poland, Warsaw, Poland, Guadalajara, Spain. Coming in Georgia, Bermondsey in the United Kingdom, Bengaluru in India, Dublin, Ireland, Bournemouth, Oregon, Phoenix, Arizona, Mesa, Arizona, and Ashburn, Virginia, with a Ashburn, Virginia, thank you very much. The Ashburn, they've been binging. That's a Bloody binge. hell. It's a binge. We what won't the take... fuck? They haven't we... been to sleep for a week. <laughs> <laughs> They're just haunted by our voices now, 24-7. What's gone on there, then? <laughs> Someone's done a lot of speed. <laughs> Maybe. But thank you very much, it's thank all appreciated. Or maybe he's told his friends and he's told his friends and he's told ah. his friends and all the people in that little area, they all listen to him. Bo- Boardman, Oregon. Uh, and they're going around Ashburn, saying Virginia, like... Ashburn, Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> they're going around doing impressions of us, saying English stuff. Like Boston. You want to hear these bloody Brits we've been listening to? Well, I'm going to say that this week... Boston! I'm just going to say that this week it's been Cardinal Witch's tit. <laughs> <laughs> I've used that saying at least four times this past mm. week. Bring right. it back. I am. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Let's crack on. I've got to go back in time a little bit to begin this tale. A story about NATO-Russia relations. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Now, obviously NATO was formed in the late 40s, early 50s to combat the threat of the Soviet Union in the Eastern Bloc and the Warsaw Pact, which was formed against NATO. And it was all the Eastern European countries basically told they had no choice and they were going to join the Warsaw Pact because they're all part of the USSR. NATO was formed out of the nations that kind of defeated Nazi Germany, including West Germany itself, and the US, who was the biggest contributor to NATO. 
And for sort of 50, 60 years, we had this lovely little Cold War stalemate where nothing really happened and both armed camps just kind of sat there and looked at other fighting proxy wars, admittedly. When we say nothing really happened, we almost came to nuclear war a few times. Cuba well, that was, sort of well, that was more the Americans and the Russians rather than NATO as a whole. Mm, okay. The Eastern Front, between that point, the, the European Front... Yeah, but as we're allied to them, and the whole NATO thing is if one gets attacked, they'll all get attacked. Yeah, I know. We'll be dragged into it anyway. Yes, so. I know, but I'm just saying that the European front, yeah. no one invaded each other for a bit. <clears throat> Russia didn't invade the West. So the end of the Cold War was a turning point in Europe's history, and from 1991, NATO began to work hard to establish a strategic partnership with Russia. However, in March 2014, Russia illegally annexed Crimea. It's a bit to say NATO began work to establish a strategic partnership with Russia. They don't want Russia in NATO. Well, they actually, no you say that, but I listened to the, the, the podcast I shared in the group who was talking to the uh, Assistant Deputy Secretary of NATO who sat at a table with Putin and had in various interviews with Putin literally said that some of the Russian generals are like, hey, you might join. Yeah. Putin been... said, well, how would you go about joining? Mm to him, to this man personally. I'll have his name for you in a bit. It's in my book, I think, in my page out. Yeah, it was the director, Deputy Assistant Secretary General of NATO, a guy called Jamie Shea. Okay. Sounds dodgy to me, he does. <laughs> yeah, and he basically said, yeah, there was talks about NATO, maybe Russia doing stuff with us, maybe even joining one day. Remember they'd been together in Kosovo, they'd done peacekeeping, not the peacekeeping they're claiming to do now, the peacekeeping that um, you know they were doing in Kosovo, and they worked together. It was only after 2010 when NATO was like actually attacking people, and we did the Libya thing mm. that he started to Syria because they were allied with Syria, weren't they? And Libya, remember? Yeah. Because we later that was a NATO operation technically, not just the it was predominantly US UK, but it was a NATO operation. Yeah, but it was Russia allied with Libya? No, but Putin basically no, didn't... Russia and Syria go way back. Let me finish what I'm saying. Go on, then. <laughs> Putin didn't like the fact that NATO was only a defen- wasn't just a defence force nowadays and it was actively attacking people. There you go, that's what I was going to say. I thought he'd like that. No, because it wasn't him doing the attacking. Anyway, 1994, Russia became the first country to join NATO's Partnership for Peace programme, which is a programme of practical bilateral cooperation with NATO and partner countries. And the Brussels Summit Declaration of 1994 defined the goals of it as expanding and intensifying political and military cooperation in Europe, increasing stability, diminishing threats to peace, and building strengthened security relationships. That sounds good. That's good. So we fucked it up in 2010 then, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this was under um, Yeltsin. Yeltsin. Gorbachev was Gorbachev. in there. And we get to Putin. And he's thinking, well, OK, we've been... Cooperating, but when you get to Libya in 2010, that's when the issue mm. goes a bit tits up for him. 2002 <clears throat> to 2008, cooperation through the NATO-Russia Council. It's worth pointing out NATO as a, an ambassadorial building in Moscow. There's people stationed there. They talk they to each other. Are. They are well, they were. <laughs> they, as, as they, if they're still there right now, no, I don't I know. But right, at this moment, I don't know. I think a few years ago, we dispelled diplomats didn't me, and they did as well. Well, I don't know, because that guy on the podcast said that they were, they were there, they were, but that's the best way to say it. They were stationed there. There was communication. Yeah. Open channels. Things were cooperating nicely. 
Russia's military action in Georgia in 2008 led to the suspension of formal meetings of the NATO-Russia Council and cooperation in some areas. Okay, well that came before 2010. Yes, this is Russian aggression. Yeah. Putin doesn't care about Russian aggression, he only cares about NATO aggression. Yeah. That's exactly what I said though, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't him doing it, that was, that was his issue with it, when NATO were doing it. It wasn't his aggression, so he doesn't like it, does he? And NATO leaders acknowledged disagreements with Russia over Georgia, but decided to resume practical and political cooperation, if nothing else. And then in 2010-2014, this is before the um, Ukrainian crisis kicked off, obviously the 2014 coup, backed by the US. Yeah. During the Lisbon summit in November 2010, NATO leaders and President Dmitry Medvedev. This is actually weirdly when Putin wasn't in charge. Because you know that constitutionally you can only do two terms. Right. Then his mate, Medvedev, steps in and does two does a term, and then Putin runs. Yeah. They basically rotate between president and prime minister mm. between them. That's dodgy. Dodgy as fucking. Yeah, it's kept him in power for donkeys. Yeah. But Putin was really unhappy with him over this because he agreed to cooperate with NATO. Ah. He was like, yeah, okay, we'll have a new stage of cooperation towards a truly strategic partnership based on the goals and principles of the NATO-Russia Founding Act and the NATO-Russia-Rome Declaration. And the Alliance invited Russia to explore the potential for expanded cooperation on missile defence. Quite pally there. Yeah. And there he goes tits up in 2010. Yeah. Well, 2014. And 2014. Yeah. So, this is a little bit of a background as well. The US instigated the Ukraine crisis. These are facts following... Factors in considering evaluating who's to blame for the current crisis and bloodshed, we hear the analysis of the situation, which follows the facts. All right, so in February 2014, a coup overthrew the Ukrainian government, which came to power in an election certified by the Organization for Safety and Cooperation. Security. Security and Cooperation. The president, Viktor Yanukovych, was forced to flee for his life. It took three attempts to get him voted in, though. The Russians tried to poison him. Mm. Because... He had this situation where he wanted to be a bit pro-both. He was like, yeah, I want, I want ties with Russia, but I'd also like some ties with Europe because we sit on the border between the two. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm quite happy for Russia to utilise my country's gas pipelines and pay me a percentage, but I'd also like to, exp I'd like to divert some of that gas and send it to Europe and they can pay me some. Yeah. Kind of thing. He wants the best of both. Makes it, sense, doesn't it, really? Yeah. And it wasn't going to happen. And the coup, promoted by United States officials, as confirmed in secret recorded phone calls, they bragged they spent $5 billion in the campaign over two decades. That's a lot of money. It is. The coup, Vice President Biden was an overall charge. Yeah. So he gave the go-ahead. Biden's son, actually, has a Hunter Biden. You know, mm. about him. He's, he had some business interests in the Ukraine. Yeah, he did, yeah. Sitting on the energy board, wasn't he? That's right. Picking up 50 grand a year for doing nothing. Huh. And then you ended up with Volodymyr Zelensky in charge, who's the current guy. So the coup government immediately acted with hostility towards its Russian-speaking citizens. Approximately 30% of Ukraine citizens have Russian as their first language. Yet on the first day in power, the coup regime acted to make Russian no longer an official state language. So that's fucked up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now you're attacking the minorities. 30%, that's a minority, isn't it? Let's all be in agreement. The Ukrainian government are no angels. 
they are towards the more, let's not say far-right or neo-Nazi as Putin calls them, but they're like a conservative party on steroids. Yeah. Would be the thing there. They're no angels, but I'd argue that Russia's effectively got a dictator right now. Oh, yeah. He's got, they've got a yeah. bizarre... Well, he's a little bit Hitler-like, isn't he, let's face it, in the way he is. I know he's not quite done the atrocities Hitler has done yet. But I don't think we can compare to Hitler yet. No, no, no but he, he uh, act, do you mean he's the, acting um, like Hitler. Do you mean the taking of territory? He, yeah, yeah, he's um, acting like Hitler acted. At, for, at the very beginning, when Hitler mm-hmm. was rising to power... We're going to get Austria okay. back, we're going to get... Yeah, Sudetenland. Sudet- the Sudetenland, Alsace and Lorraine. Well, that's, we're that, get that, all that was that how he started, wasn't it? And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then it went... And then obviously Poland, because Germany used to have Poland, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, and that was the final straw for the Brits. Well, it? that was it, and that's what I mean. This uh, Just, to me, my personal opinion, is a bit like that, really, is. We've all known he's been a bit of a nutter for years, haven't we, let's face it. Well, the, the ironic thing is that he, he says that... He bitches about NATO being on the on the western border, but then he acts aggressively, and more countries ask to join because they're worried about Russian aggression. Mm. And then he moans about NATO expanding to the east. Well, there was a verbal agreement. Yeah, verbal agreement. Uh, the US Foreign Secretary says that wasn't even on the table. wasn't discussed. No, it wasn't discussed because they didn't think the Soviet Union was going to collapse at that point. They saw that. Nineteen ninety-one. They yeah, collapsed as we speak. Yeah, but they saw the the Warsaw Pact to other countries in that. Ukraine had gone at this point, Germany's gone at this point. Yeah, but Lithuania, Estonia and that haven't. Mm, but they're small countries, they want to be they want to be our friends. Yeah, but and they don't like the Russians, they've occupied them for fifty sixty years. They should have written something down it was a verbal agreement apparently that NATO Not worth the paper it's written. Know, on. NATO <laughs> wouldn't expand. But why have NATO expanded into these territories? Because the countries want to join. I know, but you gotta to come to a point where you say, Well that's gonna provoke Russia, isn't it? If everybody joins, then we're all on the same page, innit? Well, yeah, but Russia... They weren't at Russia in that, were they? Well, not now, but there was talks about there it. There was, and it would have been a good thing. I mean, we Why didn't NATO disband in 1991? That is a valid point, to be fair. Why didn't NATO disband? Probably because they still feared Russia, even in its weakened state. Yeah. And not only Russia, they they obviously... Gulf War, things like that, you've got to think Gulf War was... That was the UN. That was actually the UN. The UN actually got off their ass. It's the first time in the Korean yeah. since the Korean War and did the first Gulf War. But you you got to think, Europe as the whole, NATO. They have to also. They had to. I suppose you be gotta, ready, didn't they, in case it did turn into World War Three? So they kept yeah, but it what's, for what's, that reason. What's the harm in keeping these neutral countries well, on the border? Well, remember you had the Czechoslovakian civil war, issues in Bosnia, mm. and NATO was basically went in as a peacekeeping force. So they were the closest force there. Let's face it, you got the choice of sending in Western European troops who are better and professionals with better kit, or sending in like Indian, African troops who aren't as of a high quality, let's say, to act as peacekeepers. You might as well let NATO do it, it's a European country. Speaking of peacekeepers, where the fuck's the UN in all this? (laughs) Well, they just. um, Hovering, (laughs) looking up. But the deputy assistant guy, Jamie Shea, said it was never discussed, it wasn't a thing. Because countries asked to join and they go through a joining process yeah. akin to what they do to join the EU. I understand that, but you can somehow decision to say, no, actually, you know, to keep things peaceful in Europe, we'll, have, we'll keep you as a neutral buffer between but, NATO and Russia. But if they want an ally, what if they turn to Russia then? 
The problem you being, end up with the USSR. Don't well, they're not going to, are they? Because they're seceded. They're separate countries. They, they want. They want help. They want. They want friends. This is it. This is the problem with and that. And you either go the west or the east, don't well, you? Well, they want to be a part of that. There'll that be NATO troops. There'll be NATO troops on their border, won't there? From well, Poland you, and. Well, what you've got to look at as well is a lot of countries looked at NATO and went, "Well, you know what? That's actually given Western Europe quite a lot of stability and security over the last sort of 60, 70 years." Yeah, all right. There's yeah, until. They invited these countries over to the border, caused a problem. But then they thought, well, maybe we want a bit of that. We want that stability and security, knowing that an attack on one is attack it's on not, all. It's not, though, is it? You have to explain to them. It's making it less stable. We let you in. Russia are going to feel more threatened and build a military more. And then we're going to have war. But you could also see it from their side, like Ukraine has been thinking, and they've been trying to join for years, like probably all the other ones have been trying to join for years. They've probably been thinking, well, if if we're not with you, you we might be yeah. into. Yeah. No, no. Then obviously we're susceptible to yeah. Russia, yeah. like what's happening yeah. now. It's, it's and then the problem is, is if it? they're not with NATO, NATO can't join in. So, yeah. and this is also where the stance comes. It's like, well, we can't let you join NATO. This is like Russia's look. They're looking, going, well, we can't let you join NATO because we can't invade you then. So we've okay. got to do everything yes, we can well, to stop well, then that say, happening. But then say we did let Ukraine in, and now Russia invaded. That's it. We're in a war. Yeah, they, well, they would have invaded. never invaded. Well, they wouldn't have invaded if it was part of NATO. Yeah, well, that, that's, still have. that's what you no. like to think. No, anyway. they're not part of NATO at the moment. They've still got in. No, that. Yeah, they're saying they're, if, if they're part of NATO, we wouldn't. He yeah, wouldn't have gone if in. They were, if, if we had have said he yes, you can join NATO, chances of Vladimir Putin doing what he's done now probably slim to shit he yeah. wouldn't have done it knowing that if he does attack Ukraine the whole of NATO, he's attacking NATO 3 That's million troops compared to 1 million troops and it's just outnumbered in planes yeah, yeah outnumbered. but you know the Chinese are going to get on the board of the Russians but even, even they Maybe, but they've got the BRICS or, agreement haven't they or they look at Taiwan and go you know what well we'll divert America's attention and attack in the Far East even if you put China's Maybe. numbers and Russia's numbers together they still don't outmatch NATO and like the UN certainly, because obviously the UN would. Well, no, China's there. got like a million soldiers, so we'll be putting it on a bit on a par then. But there's a few. But we've got, got a few more. We've got quite a number more, like warships and things like oh, that. Oh yeah, the fleets are, uh, the fleets Russian are fleet's huge. negligible, and the Chinese fleet's not even that big in comparison. NATO fleet is bigger than the Russian and the Chinese fleet put together. They've got a lot more smaller ships than we have, but when it comes to frigates and warships, aircraft, we, carriers. Uh, aircraft carriers, we do outnumber them by quite a mm. And that's the two of them. I was looking at a comparison the other day oh, yeah, yeah. that was because obviously my first thoughts are when Russia get involved, uh, China ain't going to be far behind because who are Russia's only fucking real allies? China. Yeah. This is why nobody's ever wanted to go to war against Russia because they know they've got China as well. Yeah, but my, China might, you know... Well, China... Just, just step back and just go, nah... Well, we China kind of have... From what I heard today, I don't know whether I misinterpreted it or not, but it, it was a summit between them all, and they were, and people were quite surprised, the fact that China did actually go, oh, no, no, don't like this. But well, to be fair, yeah, they, but they don't condone that's it. That's their thing. public front, but yes. in the background, they've, yes. they've given yeah. new trade deals to Russia... But, yeah. to, compensate for the economic sanctions that we put on them. Yeah. In all fairness, China doesn't actually recognise 
moment. The Donetsk yeah. region is being they're saying, they're saying, oh no, this is bad, Don't they should have attacked. But then secretly they're funneling them money mm. via trade deals. So. Yeah. Also, China, Russia's biggest ally, China, doesn't recognise that the Donetsk region of the Ukraine is owned by Russia. Doesn't recognise that internationally. I don't think anyone does, do they? No, but they're their biggest ally and they don't recognise it. No. But what I'm trying to say is still that, that's them. where Putin's just gone, oh, we recognise this as Russia now, and that's where he sent all his troops in, wasn't it? Is that what place no, you're yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. There's two regions that have declared independence. Yeah, that's right. And then been annexed by Russia. Yeah. The Donbass region, isn't it? Donbass, so yeah. Right. I, mean, yeah. Like, I, I think if he'd stopped there, I, I think most people would have said... You know, these people want to be. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Part of no, I just, I disagree. Yeah. It's like me saying, you know what? You know, my house is no part of China. Live with it. Everyone in this house it's, wants it to be China, it, yeah, so it's, it's China. Like, you live in these, these borders are agreed upon. In the ninety-nine one, you yeah. go, oh, I don't want to live here. I'll be part of Russia. Well, okay, then move to Russia. Yeah. Then move to Russia. <laughs> but they want to stay in their they're, own. They're, they're Russian-speaking. I kind of understand both of your points yeah. on that, though. I do. No, okay, it's not black and white. It's not black and white, and they should have. What, why didn't the UN go in and say, "Look, we're going to have a vote here"? If you want to go to Russia, that's if you want that part point. back, you have it back. That's a valid point. Let the people decide on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It should always be the people deciding. Yeah, yeah. Do a proper now, diplomatic vote. At that point, you're like, okay, well, they want to be part of Russia. I don't agree the way it's been done. But to prevent any hostilities, we'll just leave it at that. But then you're but now he's invaded Ukraine, they don't want to be part of Russia. No, they don't. So that's bang out of order. Yeah. Isn't it? It is bang out of order. You've got to order. condemn right. it. It's, it's well bang out of order. I um, don't care that they may have been infiltrated by neo-Nazis. May have been. May have been. That's but no when, you, when the, no you say that to a Ukrainian, they're all like, ah, Nazi. What? Well, yeah. actually, you funny you should say that, because that ties in the next point is that during World War II there were Nazi sympathisers in Western Ukraine because they didn't want to be part of the Soviet Union. So if you'd only part of the Soviet Union at that point, and the Nazis invade, or they're on the border, you're going to become a Nazi because they're the anti-communists, aren't they, yeah. at this point? And one of the big what-ifs of the Second World War is if Germany didn't go into Ukraine killing, looting, killing, uh, and pillaging and raping, and actually said to the Ukrainians, fancy being on our side... They might have got an extra 70 divisions at the Ukrainian population who didn't like the Russians and would have been better allies than the Hungarians and Romanians mm. and Bulgarians who couldn't hold the flanks. Yeah. But they saw they them as Slavs anything. and that was it. Yeah, they didn't have any of the equipment to be worthy at all. Yeah, it's one of the what ifs of the Eastern Front. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's go back to 2014 then. So approximately 30% of the Ukrainian citizens of Russian as their first language. Yeah, on the first day in power, the Q regime... Oh, did we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I am a little bit stony. That backs up my point now, doesn't fa- it? Yeah, it does. I'm yeah. on fact four. Yeah. That, so that not only do they want to be part of Russia, they're actually being persecuted by the new Ukrainian government. And there is evidence towards that, that Russian minorities were persecuted by the Ukrainian government because they're fiercely anti-Russian, yeah. because they were put there by the US to be anti-Russian. Yeah. And this is the only part where I lose a little sympathy for the Ukrainian cause, and not the, actually not the Ukrainian people's cause, but the Ukrainian government's cause. You were put there by the US to be an anti-Russian thorn in their side. But still, I don't want to see a war over this. I don't want to see innocent people die. I don't want to see 18,000 civilians volunteering to defend Kiev and giving rifles and arm, and small arms 
to defend their holders. They don't want to see that. This is the point where the UN should have gone in and said, look, hold Absolutely. On. Where is the fucking UN? I had an argument with the UN on Twitter once. Yeah. Did you? I did, yeah. <laughs> there was, it was like, it's international something, something's yeah. done. I was like, why aren't you solving the world's problems like you're supposed to? Yeah. <laughs> why are you celebrating this? Why are you getting involved? This genocide's happening. What are you doing? It's madness, isn't it? I thought this is what they were for. You got the weight of the world then backing you, saying like, you know, okay, we'll go in there, we'll sort out these we'll have elections and stuff, and find out where people want to live, man. It's just and it's sorted, then, isn't it? It is. I mean, if you do a democratic election, then as we've seen, you have to accept the result. Go yeah. for it. If like you the don't, one in Crimea, which wasn't UN, was it? it was the Russians that did it? They said ninety-seven percent of them wanted to be part of Russia. Yeah. Like we don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it could be no. Fucking properly under, yeah. Yeah, so I forget they've already annexed that. Yeah. So the that was Ukrainian territory. They've already annexed the Crimea. Yeah. And stuck however many armoured personnel within that little fucking place because what a beautiful little, what beautiful instant flanking on the country they had already. Like, like, oh well, we've got the Crimeans at the bottom of the country. But if the UN had done what I said, they probably would have gone to Russia anyway and it would have been fair and... People of the world, you're listening now, if you think that us four (laughs) should actually be in charge of NATO and the UN, let's get a petition going. Because we get shit done! (laughs) I wanted to bomb Putin's house, I don't think... (laughs) No, we should have. (laughs) No, I think we're vastly underqualified. Anyway, <laughs> a man who used to be in charge of nuclear weapons, a man who was in yeah, charge of a tank, Claire who thinks to bomb Putin's house was a fucking liberal hippie. <laughs> We're not going to go home well at all. <laughs> oh shit! He's going to be eh? a Marxist. A Marxist hippie. hippie. I, wasn't Marxist. In, I wasn't in charge of nuclear weapons. I, I was on a nuclear submarine that held nuclear weapons as a medic. So I was, yeah, nothing to do with the actual weapons. Still. But yeah, there's the connection. Well, I'm on the fight or flight. Quite primal with me. Uh, <laughs> like I said earlier, I'd just, I'd just have a fight with him. Just stick me in a room with him. I'll just beat his face. I'd love to. He's the size of a bear. He's not. Uh, Again, propaganda. They make him look bigger than he is. He like rides a bear. Yeah, bullshit. It was a horse. He rides a bear bare-chested with an AK in his hand. It's so funny, isn't it? Because like, <laughs> yeah. it was a horse. And I, I nearly, remember when it was changed. I nearly bought the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know. The but that is probably actual propaganda that they've released in his country to make everyone believe that he is this fucking... He is a, yeah, yeah. He's he he a superman. I bet he's not. I still think he's quite hard. He might be a black belt in taekwondo. I, he was, um, and he, he was in, he's head of the KGB. He was. He, he knows was. all them fucking weird KGB martial arts as well, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, what an, they old, he's an old man. I beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I think he's, he truly works out every day. He's not a weak man. He's not. A, he's he's a tough guy. He's a legitimately well, a, tough guy. It would be a fun fight. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be nice to just beat an old man, would it? So. <laughs> Uh, you know, that could be that neo-Nazis are on the far uh, in the far right on the march in Ukraine. It might not be. We don't know. Uh, so, fact five: the secession of Crimea, Donetsk, and Luhansk are a direct result of the 2014 coup. In Crimea, a referendum vote was rapidly organised. 83% turnout and 97% voting in favour. The Crimeans decided to secede from the Ukraine and reunify with Russia. I mean, Crimea was part of the Russia since uh, 1783. 
and the administration of Crimea was transferred to the Ukraine in 1954 when they were all part of the Soviet Union and this was done without consulting the population. That was a bit shady then as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but they did it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Minsk agreements of 2014 and 2015 were signed by the Ukraine, Ukrainian rebels, Russia and other European authorities and they were designed to stop the bloodshed in eastern Ukraine and retain the territory and integrity of Ukraine while granting a measure of autonomy to Luhansk and Donetsk. This is not abnormal. There are 17 autonomous zones in Europe and these agreements were later rebuffed by the Kiev government and Washington. Ukrainian militias have escalated their attacks in the Donbass region and the US and other NATO countries have been pouring weapons into Ukraine. So Putin believes Ukrainians, Belarusians and Russians are one people bound by a shared history and culture to speech to this effect. He's also aware they become separate states recognised in international law and by Russian governments as well. And at the same time, he questions the historical formation of the modern Ukrainian state, which he says was the tragic product of decisions by former Russian leaders Vladimir Lenin, Joseph Stalin and Nikita Khrushchev. And he also questions the sovereignty and distinctive nationness of Ukraine. While he promotes national identity in Russia, he degenerates, denigrates. denigrates the growing sense of nationness in the Ukraine. This is true, Ukrainian national identity under the Russians was suppressed for years. Putin indicates that Ukraine, by its very nature, ought to be friendly, not hostile to Russia, but he sees its current government as illegitimate, aggressively nationalist and even fascist. The condition for peaceful relations between states, he repeatedly says, is that they do not threaten the security of other states Yet it's clear from the invasion, he presents the greatest threat to the Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Putin sees Ukraine as an existential threat to Russia, believing that if it enters NATO, offensive weaponry will be placed closer to the Russian border, as is already being done in Romania and Poland. It's possible to interpret Putin's statements about the historical genesis of the Ukrainian state as self-serving, and a way of saying, we created them, we can take it back. But I believe he may instead may have been making a forceful appeal to Ukraine and the West, this is the guy who's writing the article, to recognise the security interests of Russia and provide guarantees there will be no further moves by NATO towards Russia and into the Ukraine. However, and ironically, his recent actions have driven the Ukrainians more tightly into the arms of the West. That's right. Yeah. Of course it is. Invading people tend to do that. Yeah. But we stood up the hornet's nest by the 2014 coup. We did. We did. Messing in fucking democracies again. That's what we did the best, didn't it? But there's still no excuse to invade a bunch of people who... No, no. But we shouldn't have done that in the first place. I'm condemning both things. You can condemn both mm. things. The Western position is the breakaway regions Putin recognised, Zelensky and Luhansk are integral parts of the Ukraine. And Russia claims the Donbass region, which includes these two provinces, is historically and rightfully part of Russia. And what does history tell us? Well, it tells us that these two provinces are officially part of the Ukraine, and when the USSR disintegrated, the former Soviet Republic boundaries became, under international law, the legal boundaries of the post-Soviet states. And Russia repeatedly recognised those borders, although reluctantly in the case of Crimea. It's since they disintegrated. Yeah. So I say, well, if you are a Russian living in the Ukraine, I identify as Russian and you're being persecuted, petition the Russian government. Get out of here. Petition the UN. We want yeah. to be independent states. You can do that. Yeah, go. It's that one in Moldova that's trying to. Yeah. Oh man, imagine if Cornwall just goes nuts and just 
Yeah, it's possible. They've got a strong nationalist movement. They have. They want and, to be independent. And Yorkshire. And Yorkshire. And Scotland. And Northern Ireland. Man, this country's disintegrating. I think that's what the trend is. We've lost all those big empires now that Russia are trying to reclaim. Yeah. They've all disintegrated, haven't they? Everyone's become... We've lost our empire, they all become independent, and then you see countries breaking down even further, like Yugoslavia, they went to Serbia, Montenegro, and then Serbia separately from Montenegro. Now, that's even disintegrating now, isn't it? And North Macedonia breaking free yeah, of that. And yeah, North Macedonia, what's the other one? The former Yugoslav Republic? Macedonia, yeah. Macedonia. I think that's the way things are going. I think that's mm. the way... It's historically, we, we're from tribes, aren't we? We live in little tribes. Little tribes. Don't we? I guess not you're right. Not big tribes of a billion people. Yeah. It's not natural, is it? No. In a way, it's almost like society's expanded so much you've lost all yeah. contact with each other, but secretly we're yearning to shrink back yeah. down to smaller, larger communities. Globalisation has failed, hasn't Something it? Something biological in this, maybe. That's an interesting yeah, point. Like What's the point of shipping? Number of people that could be looked after within yeah. like a unit or like a We pod. ship carrots from South Africa. We can grow them here. Mm. What are we doing? Is it saying because I always like the idea of one world? Yeah, but you can't because it's the pollution, isn't it? It's, it's causing all this mass transit around the world for goods. I was like, one global government, I always like the idea of that. Being one planet all unified. I'm all about the species, you see. You as the leader. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, God Emperor. The smaller states <laughs> is, is better because also more locally you get more saying what I mean, you still import and trade and shit, obviously. I mean, yeah, yeah. Import, export, trade. If you're a minority in a, in a big country, then you're going to get no say whatsoever. Mm. But say you've got your own land... Well, you can do what you want, can't you? That's what I'm all about. People should be able to live where they want to, and nobody should say otherwise, like Tibet, things like that. Free Tibet? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for global. I, I like to think that you should be able to live where you want, personally. That's my thing. If I want to go and live somewhere, I should be able to go and do it. That's my thing. Yeah, I agree. But when one raises the fraught question of what lands belong to people, a whole can of worms is opened. I mean, the Donbass has been has historically been inhabited by Russians, Ukrainian, Jews and others. And it was in the Soviet and post-Soviet times, largely Russian ethnically and linguistically, when in 2014 the Maiden Revolution in Kiev moved the country towards a Western Ukrainian nationalist threatened to limit the use of the Russian language yeah, in parts of Ukraine. Discussed that yeah. earlier, when they got persecuted, yeah. That led to a bit of a scrap, and after months of fighting between Ukrainian forces and pro-Russian rebel forces and Russian troops in different uniforms, but let's not talk about that, because mm -hmm. that was happening. Russian troops were fighting there, they were in different uniforms. Mm. Regular Russian forces moved in from Russia in 2014, and a war began that lasted for eight years with thousands killed and wounded. So why was Russia's recognition of Donetsk and the Hansk People's Republics as independent and such a pivotal event in the conflict? Well, he recognises them as independent states and thinks they're Russians, so he wants them. And then thinks, well, whilst I'm getting them, I'll have the rest of Ukraine as well. Yep, so that's the history. <laughs> that's the background. What can the West do now? There's your question. Well, the moment, it's just sanctions, fucking isn't it? sanction them. Yeah. It's stupid. It, it's stupid. It's pointless. They need to fucking help the poor buggers. What would you suggest then? Sending troops in? British troops? No, just proper, I don't know, armour, armaments. We're doing that as well? Yeah, but 
not enough, not quick enough, not not soon enough. We should have, as soon as they started moving on the borders like they were doing the past couple of weeks, they should have been shipping shitloads of our tanks yeah, out I, I there. I should imagine they've done a bit of that. Well, let's they? hope you they know, have. They have had a bit yeah, of they've, they've, This is maybe why, the holding out, maybe this is why Ukraine are giving them a bit of a better fight than they yeah. thought they would get because... We've also had British troops in Ukraine doing training missions. Well, this is it, yeah. Uh, training. training them specifically in insurgency tactics. You know, like the stuff we've just had used against us for 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. We're quite good at that now. Yeah. And we're good at stopping it. And if you're good at stopping it, you're good at making it. Well, they've sent them loads of... they sent them anti-tank weapons, yeah, anti-aircraft like 30, weapons, 30, javelins, stingers, Milans... Yeah. Anything that can take a tank or an aircraft, they sent them because Ukraine has virtually no tank force and not much of an air force. Mm. It's got some, but not a lot. Although, so you need to address the balance, don't you? Apparently, one of its um, fighter ace pilots. Oh, we're going to get to him. Don't okay, him yet. okay, okay. Got to get to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw something like earlier. So, yeah. So, what can the West now offer Ukraine more than a mixture of prayers, sanctions, and diplomatic demarches? Is that right? Demarche? I never heard it. Demarche, demarche. I swear they're just making words up. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout this conflict, Western intelligence has shown it's been able to predict Putin's next step, but less capable of stopping it. Boris Johnson told the Ukrainian people, We are with you. Oh, fuck me. What this Western solidarity... I feel a lot better now. Well, you know what? I might change my profile picture on Uh, Facebook, put a Ukrainian flag on there. I'm surprised they're not all over it already. It's been happening. I've seen people doing it. it. Yeah, I have as well. Not, I haven't done it yet, but... I say yet, because I was always tempted to earlier to show my my solidarity to him. I know there's nothing I can do, but show, like, they're in my thoughts, because it is shit, so, yeah. Yeah, but then you also possibly ally him with the possible neo-Nazis. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Better the devil you know, Mike. <laughs> In the wake of what the NATO Secretary-General Jens Stolenberg described as Russia's fully-fledged invasion of Ukraine, the West has to decide on how to respond to what Francis Emmanuel Macron has called a turning point in European history. It certainly is. It is, absolutely. First, what I was going to say... Aggression since when? The first full-on invasion of a nation-state in Europe, probably since the what, the Soviets' invasion of Hungary in like fifty-five, mm. fifty-seven, something like that. Mm. Yeah. How many of us thought we'd see war in Europe again? Me. Bosnia, yeah. I suppose, is the last. Bosnia, that was a civil war. That was a peacekeeper. Yeah. I've always known Russia's a ticking time bomb. Always known it. Always, always thought it. I've always been waiting for something to fucking happen. Pete the Prophet? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I, you learn a lot. Get yourself a loincloth, son. Get out there, preach the message. Oh, I joke. You, you learn a lot in the forces. Mm. And when you're no, sub, you, you are right. When you're a submariner, you learn a lot of shit that, that most people don't hear about because you've got very, yeah. very, very high clearance as a submariner. So you do hear shit that you don't normally hear. Even within the forces, so yeah, Russia have always been a fucking liability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've always had nightmares about yeah, the end of the world. This, nah. yeah, full on invasion of a European country. Do you expect that? Not, not really. No, not so fucking instant, blatant. Yeah. 
no real reason. Didn't expect that. No, I think, well, I think the reason. I think his reasons are looking flimsier by the yeah. day. I think well, the reason no excuse. Is, it's military aggression. I mean, I said like, no if he wants to stop reason. it, <laughs> you see it. See him talking on the news. You, I'm guessing you've all seen him say his. Pitch. Don't speak yeah. Russian though. So who knows what the interpreters are actually saying? I have the speech from the night before the invasion. If you want to hear it, yeah. This is an interpreted version. So it's in Russian in the background. On the morning of Thursday, February 24th, President Vladimir Putin declared the start of military operations in Ukraine. I decided to conduct a special military operation. It aims to protect people who have been bullied and subjected to genocide by the Kiev regime for eight years. For that, we will strive for demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine and will bring to justice those who committed multiple bloody crimes against civilians, including Russian citizens. We urge you to lay down your arms immediately and go home. I will explain. All servicemen of the Ukrainian army who comply with this requirement can freely leave the area of military actions and return to their families. Whoever would try to stop us and further create threats to our country, to our people, should know that Russia's response will be immediate and lead you to such consequences that you have never faced in your history. We are ready for any outcome. That's the bit. He was like, we are ready for any outcome. He lied, didn't he? He said, if you get out of that region, we'll leave you alone. Right. That's what I mean. We if you stop there... If I said, because that's a legitimate excuse, isn't it? People yeah. are being persecuted. All right, well, okay, you move in and you let them hold elections. Yeah, I'm all for that. But you don't... You don't... don't invade a country. No, he's taking it too far, isn't he? He's... He lied the line. Yeah. Well, when they were first reporting it and they were saying that they believed they might be making their way to Kiev, it was like, but we don't know whether he is or not. And he's thinking, well, nah, he's not, nah, he's not. Then a few hours later, he's like, yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, is he? he is. Fuck. What's he doing? When, he, when they took that airbase just north of it, or yeah. tried to take it anyway, I don't know where, I think they they eventually did take it, I, I believe. Yeah, they, they haven't had it as easy as we think. It took them a, a good day and a half to get it, though. They've been they? slowed down immensely by the, the Ukrainian resistance, uh, which has been very tough and very determined, even though outnumbered, outgunned. Would you, want, would you want to come up against the Klitschko brothers? No, uh. I wouldn't. <laughs> and the, the, I can't remember his name now. The Ukrainian heavyweight boxing champ. There's another one. He's gone back home to fight. There's a lot of Ukrainians from countries in Europe that are going back Both home to fight. Vladimir and what's the other one called? The, the two Klitschko brothers. Because he's the one that's the mayor. It's not Vladimir, it's the other one. Vitaly. Vitaly. He's the mayor of Kiev. But both of them have said, we're going to take up arms and we're yeah. going to fight. Yeah. But he's the mayor, so he should. Apparently. Well, he's not going to be a... Yeah. Boris would be in a fucking bunker somewhere. Did you not see Boris rugby tackle that bloke in that charity football match? I reckon Boris would be straight up there. With Boris is hiding in a fridge in Yorkshire. He'd have himself, <laughs> a, he'd have himself <laughs> on a minigun or something, like... Die, bitch. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe shoot our own men because he's yeah. useless. Oh, yeah. sorry about that. Blubber, 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 blubber. Oh, so awfully sorry. Blubber, blubber, blubber. Mike with the nudges on his face TV show. Face TV show personality, Mr. Blubby there. That's fantastic. Never thought I'd hear that on this podcast. Never thought I'd hear that. Now, the 30 nation NATO alliance will stick to its pledge. It will never send forces to protect Ukraine as a non member. Instead, the West will test Russia's resolve through tough sanctions and by some countries providing arms if there is resistance. And that's what's happened. Poland sent in a massive, well, Poland, as in acting behalf of NATO, sent in a massive arrow shipment last night into the Ukraine. And so NATO is giving them weapons. Now, apparently, though, Putin sits on a $600 billion, which is a £450 billion war chest, and will benefit from oil prices soaring past $100 a barrel. Yeah, this is a problem as well. Yeah. For the West, now. Rely on Russian gas and oil. Yeah, that makes him Our less... prices have just gone up already. Yeah. They have one sixty a fucking litre now, I think, for diesel. I'm not sure. Someone said it work. That makes him less dependent on the West to raise capital than five years ago. And such is his dominance of the Russian media, the chances of international protest pressure, internal protests pressurising, let alone toppling the 69-year-old president, look minimal. The oligarchs may complain if sanctions are placed upon them, but Putin is in too deep to retreat now. Like I said, China have come in and helped him on that front. I don't think he needs any help. I think, as far as, like monetary term goes I think he's been planning this for donkeys he's made sure he yeah, knew straight away the oligarchs keep him in power he has to keep them sweet yeah but he I knew I saw 69 billion dollars they lost so far over the course of his invasion the yeah. oligarchs yeah, but, they get pissed off they want him out don't they but yeah. he knew well enough before this invasion that military assistance wasn't going to happen for Ukraine, but they'll get their monies cut off, this, that, and the other. So he's bound to have fucking made some little hoard. He's got six hundred billion dollar war chest. Exactly. At the so, minute, he's paying the oligarchs. It's when that money runs yeah. out. But quite a big war chest. But like I said, if this deal with China has gone through and that, and then that'll help alleviate that. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. One London-based diplomat said this week after viewing Russia's televised and national security meetings said that we used to talk about Putin's inner circle. No, there is no inner circle. There is only Putin. He's, he's the fucking czar of this place now. Mm. He's got dirt on them all. He was head of the KGB. Yeah. So he knows all their secrets. As yeah. as czar, czar is basically king, isn't it? Yeah. Caesar. Right. Is so, what translates to. So would you say he's king of the north? Mm. No, he's the king of the east. But I was yeah. wondering, like, if he was king of the north, because Russia is the northern it's, it's, part of that yeah, central but, part. Of okay, the, all right. Yeah. But it's still very east. I go, I go it's back to very north. Though, king of the northeast. King of the northeast. There you go. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. What's above Russia? The Arctic Circle. There's a nobody. So he's the most northern kind of power. Yeah, but he's more. Eastern as well. Or I go back is to last week, biblical terms, King of the North, the Antichrist, blah blah blah. Yeah. The apocalypse is all bought. Is Putin the Antichrist? There you go. It's all brought along by the King of the North, apparently, according to the Bible. 
Apparently, the only thing that will change Russian public opinion is the mothers of Russia seeing the body bags, and I think this is where they might the Ukrainians might score a win. Yeah, because they have, from what we hear, I've heard a thousand at the moment. There's been a few, uh, a few more deaths of the deaths, Russians yeah. than well, there has of the Ukrainians. We're apparently up to any. I've been doing my research as we've gone along today, and it's anywhere from 450 to a thousand dead. And that number goes up if the Ukrainian claims about shooting down two transport aircraft full of paratroopers are correct. Uh, that number goes up a bit. So if you say that, let's say there's um, 800 dead, jump a, a number in the middle, and then you go times three wounded at least. I mean, we don't know Ukrainian casualties. We don't. They could be massively high, but they've got a population raised to fever pitch, haven't they? This is our home. And there's nothing more dangerous than a free man defending his home. His home, yeah. Apparently, according to figures that I'm looking at now, there's around 200 known Ukrainian deaths. Can't actually see the Russians at the minute, so... But yeah, well, both so me and Ben found a thousand, didn't we, so... Yeah, I've seen anywhere from 450 to a thousand at the highest limit. But obviously that number can vary if, mm. if the transport plane claims are true. Yeah. I mean, it might be all over by the time this comes out next week, to be fair. Let's hope so. Um, well, yeah. Yes, uh, so I personally think that NATO at this point has to look strong. Yeah. And whether that's supplying them and to start some kind of partial mobilisation of forces to... I'd imagine that we're in 24 hours notice anyway. The rapid reaction forces in this country, which is... I think the Desert Rats, I think it's the 7th Armoured. Hmm. And the Rapid Reaction Force along with the Paras and the Gurkhas and the Marines. We've got to be dead careful. The Americans, Russian and then it's war. The it? Americans have a similar thing. I'd imagine every single NATO country is on, on 24 hours notice, to be fair. Hmm. I only know about the British Army. Oh, it's 5th Airborne Brigade, isn't it? It's 5th Airborne. So you've got Paras, Gurkhas... Marines. No, there's no... Airborne into the Marines. No, but they'll be stationed out within waters. They'll be on Northern Front. They'll be in waters pretty close, I'd imagine. Yeah. So let's move forward a little bit. This is the thing that most worried me about this, this whole conflict. It was not the whole, like, oh shit, Russia's invading Ukraine. I remembered what was in the Ukraine. A very dangerous place that's in the Ukraine. Somewhere that has the potential to wipe us all out, if left unchecked. Chernobyl. Yes. Which they've already seized, from what I gather. Yes, it has been seized, and it terrified me. I'm like... I just wanted to say about the UN. Oh, right. So thanks to the UN. See what the UN have been doing. Well, the UN, Mike, hmm. on Wednesday night, UN diplomats gathered to condemn Russia as an emergency meeting. One chaired by Russia, funnily enough, <laughs> this month's presidents of the UN Security uh -huh. Council. It symbolises a degree to which the UN has become utterly compromised. But there may have been one diplomatic voice in New York who disturbed the West the most, that of the Chinese envoy. In his brief remarks, he remained studiously on the fence, looking at Mike, who sat on the fence so long he's got splinters in his backside <laughs> on this podcast. No, I'm not on the fence in this one. I definitely condemn Putin what he's done. He refused to condemn Russia and knowing the West's anguish may provide it with nothing but opportunities ahead, because now they can go, oh, Taiwan's uh, looking a bit tasty, and the mm -hmm. West's occupied with the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. I think, as well, 
just a thought that just seeing Biden's face on that there reminded me that I believe he was waiting for Trump to not be in power. Yeah. He wouldn't have done this if Trump was in power. No. Because if Trump was in power, do you know what he'd have said? Fuck the UN. I'm going in there and I'm helping. I want war with Russia. Yeah, I, think, I think he would have. I think, personally, NATO should have mobilised forces on the other side of the Ukrainian border, whether Poland or the NATO members, mobilised his forces, up to 100,000, matched Russia, and said, right, we're doing our military manoeuvres as well. Mm. And just been there. Supply the Ukrainians to make sure he goes no further. I thought Trump and Putin had met and that. Yeah, yeah. Trump was trying He's done to... this because he thinks Biden's weak. And Biden yeah, is weak. I mean. Trump wouldn't yeah. have stood for this. No. Trump, Trump would have been... Same as... With any, any Trump would have kept Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, he was bringing the troops home that one. He time. was, but he wasn't going to just abandon it. No. And again, was Trump all talk? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure with that. He's got to make America look great again, remember? You I can't think... be running away when you're trying to look great. I, th- I don't think Putin would have attacked if Trump had yeah. gained the second yeah. term. I don't think he would have. I mean, no, Trump has even would've... come out and he's praised people. Well, in a very media edited interview, mm. I've seen the full one, mm. he basically says it's a really smart move mm. because it is. Yeah. Putin's played the West. He knows there's, there's no fucking ramifications and for he, him, really. Whether let's, I mean, let's disregard how Paddy they really, really are. No one's going to know that. I think there's some evidence that they're mates. But he said he's a chess player, basically. He's, he's outplayed the West. It's a genius move. What's he going to do when he captures Ukraine? There you go. What does he do? I Putin. Think he's just got extra land, and he's where's he look to next? What can he yeah. snap up that's not going to... He'll take the other countries that aren't protected by NATO. That's it, isn't it? That's what he'll do. And that's probably what the, those other... Is it Lithuanian countries like... Yeah, is, is, that, not, is that right? I think so, yeah. Um, um, there's a few countries around there that aren't affiliated yet. I, I think you'll find they'll be asking for quick passes through and saying, please let us join NATO quick. Well, do you know that and I think we'd be silly to say no. The Russians basically threatened Finland and Sweden, who aren't members, and said, because they're having a bit of a debate at the minute, those two countries, quite intensely thinking, mm. well, shit. Especially Finland. Especially Finland, although, my money's still on the Finns. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, shit, the White Death, man. He was, you know, first Russian-Finnish war, the White Death, uh, I can't remember his name, no, fuck me. 600 sniper kills. Hmm. Legend. Anyway, my money's on the Finns. And Molotov cocktails. And Molotov cocktails. Wow. you see what they've been doing with the That's wives. It. Yeah, the, all the women have been making Molotov cocktails, haven't they? Yeah. What, in, um, in Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. They've all got um, cheese graters with polystyrene. And they put the cheese grate and polystyrene into the bottles, adding the petrol, and they're just making a, a stack of Molotovs, because they're like, oh, well, there's nothing else we can do. We need to protect our homes if we need yeah. to. Cool. Absolutely. The Chernobyl. Chernobyl terrified me. I was like, shit, oh. Chernobyl's in the Ukraine. That gets damaged. That's going to kill us all. That fucking concrete dome gets damaged. So it's leaking out again. Well, it turns out it has exceeded control levels in multiple areas after being seized by Russia. And that says the Ukraine, but it is a possibility tanks may have disturbed radioactive dust which has been buried. But still, that's not good. There's been a, a gamma spike, basically. 
Data from automated systems monitoring the exclusion zones show gamma radiation levels more than 20 times those seen days earlier, analysts said. Won't it have an effect on the troops going through there? Probably. Mm-hmm. But I'd imagine they're in full NBC kit and tanks are batting down, I'd imagine. It depends, though, how big the radiation, how much radiation there is in the first place. Depends how long they're going to be there. Yeah. But 20 times more than what it was, it could have been 0.1 of a fucking nano meat. You know what I mean? It could be yeah. such a small amount previous. Still, 20 times could yeah. still be. Still, you don't want to see Chernobyl spiking. No, no, definitely not. Because is it that, or has like a rocket hit the dome? Is it leaking? Let's hope not. But you'd think if that was the case. He's not stupid. He'd get it fixed. Yeah, but is this some? What I think is—is is this some kind of bargaining chip for him? He now holds at one place. He hasn't got a nucus. He gets that Chernobyl leak. It's gonna kill us all anyway. Just slower. Including his, yeah. his own people. But so is the nuking. If he yeah. launches nukes, then we're gonna launch nukes. That's the way it goes, isn't it? It's mutually assured destruction. This is like a fuck you. But he wants Ukraine, doesn't he? Doesn't want it irradiated. No, but it's still a bargaining chip in his hand, isn't it? I own this. This could kill us all. Let's just hope uh, our anti-nuclear defences work. You know what I mean? Well, the Star Wars. Well, we do have weapons that will take out nukes before they... Well, true, but it's not exact size. Like, no. They're not 100% effective. They've not exactly been tested exactly. Well, Iron Dome worked pretty so well. Much, yeah. That was still, what, 80-something? Actually, I think it was in the 90s, Iron Dome. So if the Israelis have got that, then you'd argue the West's got a little bit better. Hmm. Or at least to that equivalent. But when the Stasen's coming at you... That's it. Even Dr. Manhattan's going to stop them all from Watchmen. Too hmm. many, 20,000 potentially? Well, let's go to the next one, but it is nuclear war. That's where this potentially escalates to. 20,000 bombs coming towards Europe. Russia has 20,000 nuclear warheads, give or take. America has slightly more, about 21, 22. Britain's got around two to 300. France, about 60 to 100. They're the only nuclear powers in NATO. So we do have more than them. But <laughs> the danger is that we use them, um, is that the, it, it escalates. So let's say, first place the American troops, let's say America reinforces Europe and sends in like, I don't know, 100,000 soldiers to, uh, you know, they land at Ramstein Air Base in Germany, more than anything. Their biggest base in Europe, that is now. Mm. One of the Russians took that out with a tactical nuke. Mm. What's America going to do? They're going to retaliate with a nuclear strike, aren't they? It might be a low-level one, but the problem is the West doesn't have tactical nukes anymore. We have city-killing nukes. Mm. We don't have battlefield nukes like the Russians have. So we end up destroying a city, and the Russians escalate, and we go escalate, and then all of a sudden, the bombers are flying, mm. and the missiles are flying, and we've all got four minutes to get to wherever we need to go to. We'll most likely kiss our ass goodbye, strip naked, swig from a bottle of whiskey, and scream at the sky. Sounds more like it. Yeah. <laughs> While furiously masturbating. 
Because fuck it, you might as well come as you go. <laughs> hmm. I think I'd just hug my kids, to be honest. That's what I'd be doing. Don't worry, because you can put a mattress against a window and get some sandbags. <laughs> duck and cover. Duck and cover. Do you remember the old British Forces manual, guys? The NBC. A nuclear bars with chemical. Nuclear blast. You'd be in your suit, obviously, respirator, hooded yeah. up, fully enclosed. And you lay down with your head facing away from the direction of the blast with your arms tucked under you. <laughs> that was before they realised quite how powerful they were. The nuclear weapons are a massive option here, and this is the problem where we escalate. How long is it until both sides agree to stick to conventional warfare? If NATO gets involved, if the West gets involved. Which is probably going to look that way. If we're giving the Ukrainians arms and directly supplying them, then Russia one day is going to start going, you know what, as soon as that convoy hits Ukrainian territory, I'm going to take it out. I think Russia, you know, I think Putin knows he'd be screwed if he, you know, started something nuclear. Well, we can only hope. That's all point that's of that, isn't it? it? It's mutual assured destruction. Is there anything that's stopping us? Yeah. Cool fucking acronym though, isn't it? Mad. Summed it up perfectly, not it? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, so it's like it was meant to be. Yeah. If nuclear weapons hadn't have been invented up to this point, this would have been a war already, I think. Hmm. Could have been. Because both sides are on equal footing. If NATO would just go, yeah, what, fuck it. We've got as much shit as them, if not more. We can have this. The thing I worry about is because, like, we're all, you know, this is all based on how many nukes have I got, how many nukes have you got, you know, it... it pissing weird. contest. <laughs> well, yeah, it's pissing contest, but it just furthers the need for more nukes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which Trump pulled out the agreement, didn't he? He did. Non-proliferation. I don't think we should be building any more no. nukes. We should be trying to disarm, and oh, that's Britain's, how we could all come together. Britain's building more, as you speak. We've upped it. We used to have up to 200 weapons, mm. roughly. About 200, and now we were on about increasing to 300. Crisis world's fucked, isn't it? The nukes don't take us out. The climate crisis will. Who's got nukes? Let's go through the list. See, America, Russia, Britain, France. India, Pakistan. India, Pakistan, North Korea... Canada and South Africa. And South Africa got rid of them. Did they? Nelson Mandela didn't want them. Nelson, free Nelson Mandela. Oh, then Israel potentially. North Korea potentially. Now North Korea have definitely got atomic warheads. China. China. I always forget China. Don't know why. Australia. That little place. No. No. Not got any. No. It's still quite a select club. Although Australia are getting nuclear-powered attack subs, so whether or not that'll lead on to them having nuclear weapons or not is a different matter. Mm. We sold them some of our old ones, the Americans have sold them some of their old ones. Alright, so yeah, nuclear war is the... Well, it's the fucker, innit? It's the <laughs> apocalypse. Gonna kill us all, and there's no bunkers. <laughs> not for Australia, According to my um, Tony from Albania at work, he says that Albania's got enough room for everyone in their bunkers. There's still bunkers everywhere in Albania. To Albania! You <laughs> think we should go there? Switzerland obviously builds every house now with bunkers. Think mm. how rich we'd be Didn't there. They? Yeah. Mm. What? Just for that reason? For war reason. Yeah, every home comes with some kind of survival shelter underground. Where? 
Switzerland. Hmm. Let's go Switzerland. Our nearest shelter, because I did a deep dive into this when we did our Threads episode. Check that out. It is in the movie Threads. You may need to watch that. It's it's horrifying. I got a Freedom of Information request from Television Making Council to say where's the nearest bomber shelter to me. And they said there are none. Albania. To Albania. So where is that? Nearest one. King then? of Albania by the end of the week. <laughs> Our nearest bomb shelter to us in Telford, UK, is under the telephone exchange in Birmingham. Damn. How many people get Kate cater for? Probably their staff. No. <laughs> We're not getting in. No. They're not going to let us in. Well, right, so let's move on to what's currently happening, or as of today when we record this. So, uh, the Ukrainian president, broadcasting on Facebook and Instagram, President Vladimir Zelensky has refused requests from the US government to evacuate Kiev after it came under attack by Russia, instead asking for weapons to aid in the ongoing fight. As reported in multiple outlets, Kiev came under heavy fire from Russian military on Saturday, with Ukrainian officials urging local residents to take immediate shelter. Amid the ongoing chaos, Ukraine's president has continued to release visuals and video content, assuring the population that he is still very much in the country with no plans on leaving. I think he should be like, fighting on the front line with a, in full field marshal uniform. I think he will be, to be honest. I, I get the feeling he would be, because if you look what he's wearing there, he is wearing like khaki kind of combat-y... He's got like a, a fleece. Yeah, it's a fleece. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's a noggy. Kind of no, but he's, you know, he's wearing a noggy. He's got a noggy on a Norwegian. He's got the. It's, it's, it's unzipped. It's got the neck on it's it. It's like it's what they wear, though, isn't it? It's what the forces wear. It's like their warm winter clothing kind of thing. Yeah, it's a Norwegian. It was a Norwegian sweater. Mm. It's got the roll neck on mm. it. You can have the neck up or the neck rolled, like a polo shirt, polo neck. But he looks ready to, ready for action. Yeah. Right, let's move on to some possible Ukrainian propaganda. Because this might not be true. No, it might not be. But, it, or it, if but I not, want it to be but true. But I want it to be true. What keeps you fighting when you defend your homes? Legends. Morale. Morale boosters. Yeah. And every country has like a myth, doesn't it? The Red this. Baron. You had the Red Baron, the Angel of Mons, the White Death. It was that... World War II fight we had with the guy with their legs. Douglas Bader. You have this legendary figure, don't you? Yeah. Who inspires the people to keep fighting. And they this. said that he had a lot of carrots, that's why he could see it at night. No, that was a different guy. Who was it? Yeah, I can't remember his name though, but he was most successful he at night. He a pink plane, didn't he? He may have done yeah. <laughs> Douglas Bader didn't. Uh, this guy, anyway, I thought it was Douglas Bader, it was just the guy there. No, he had no legs, apparently. That's where the myth about carrots. Yeah, he, came from. yeah, we had better radar than the yeah. Germans, but didn't want to tell them, so yeah. he said he ate carrots. <laughs> <laughs> but the ghost of Kiev, which, let's face it, is a fucking metal nickname. Mm. Sabaton will be writing a song called The Ghost of Kiev soon. The Ghost of Kiev. The stories of bravery and heroism can be valuable for people getting through tough times and giving hope in times of war and hardship. One such legend of heroism has already emerged the defenders just two days into the full-scale Russian invasion of Ukraine that commenced on February 24th, 2022. Two as, days ago. Yes, as Russian forces close on the nation's capital, they claim they've secured the strategically important Holmstel Airport, while images of the troops on the streets of Kiev are going to service, although the Ukrainians are holding them back as we speak. 
But one hero who's keeping Ukrainian spirits alive through all the grim horror is the ghost of Kiev. The ghost of Kiev is a fighter pilot who, unconfirmed reports, claim so far shot down six Russian jets at the time of writing. Ace. Ace in a day, is what they call that. Shoot down five planes, you're an ace. Get it all in one day, you're ace in a day. Alright. Take me to the danger zone. He shot down a variety of Russian planes. The unconfirmed reports claim they've taken down two SU-35s, one SU-27 and one MiG-29 and two SU-25s. That means nothing to me. (laughs) Those are types of different things. Yeah, I know, but... (laughs) Is he real? That's the question. That's what people are questioning at the moment because they can't really... They're going to tell people who this guy is because then the Russians could take his family out. Yeah. Well, his family might have jumped ship and gone to Poland. I think it might be propaganda. It might be, but it's not fucking cool, really. It's Maverick. It's the Ukrainian Maverick. But he's ghost of Kiev. Mm. Fucking awesome. Mm. Ukrainian troops holding an island. A little tiny border. There's 13 of them. Died heroically and were possibly honoured, says Ukraine's president, for telling a Russian warship to go fuck yourself before being killed by it. Oh man. The transcript of this is quite good actually. They just get this message through going, This is a Russian warship, surrender the island, you'll be spared, and you can turn you in and go, Shall I tell them to go fuck themselves? <laughs> and his mate goes, Yeah. And he goes, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Then <laughs> 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 they died in the um Ensuing bombardment. Shit. But they're putting up a damn good fight. And I think that they might actually just about do it if they hold the cities, and if not, they retreat in the countryside and practice their insurgency, and the West's going to supply them with anti tank weapons that turn it into a bloodbath. Oh, well, yeah, because Putin want this over quickly. And when the bodies start flowing home, he's going to get some stick, isn't he? Yeah. Protests are already happening. Yeah. When the mums start crying in the streets about their sons being killed in a war that no one wants, what happens then? Mm-hmm. Putin is a dictator, yeah. I think, at this point. He hasn't got the country's backing, surely. I think he'll have some sections, won't he? But he'll have some sections, because the propaganda all teaching us. We would have talked about mean propaganda this week, mm-hmm. but Russian TV is state-owned. I mean, look at... Someone who's read the Daily Mail in this country every day for 50 years are going to be brainwashed, they're going to be conditioned yeah. to think a certain way. If your media is state owned, you know, you tell them the government is right and you should believe them and trust them, they're going to think that. But now the internet's opened the world up. The Russians haven't got to watch Russia today. They can get their news from a variety of sources and they're like, well, hang on, this isn't true. Our country's not doing the right thing here. Mm-hmm. That's why he's limited social media. Yeah. But soon they can't hide the bodies coming home. No. No. He's gone too far. And what happens? to lie on him. And in theory, surely you'd end up with a more liberal Russian government after the extremist one. Same as when Stalin died, you ended, after, you ended up with Khrushchev, who was seen as, believe it or not, less hardline. Mm. And he was in many ways, well, he was in a lot of ways, nowhere near as hardline as Stalin. <laughs> Stalin was the ultimate hardline, was it? You and me were saying the other night, Mike, you can't argue the toss about who's more evil, Hitler or Stalin. You can't argue who's more evil, he's both, you got to give him a joint number one. <laughs> now, is Putin going to step up to that level? Oh, That's the question. 
Well, if he does decide, you know what, my first defence is going to be nuclear, should I get counter-attacked by NATO? So my last defence is my first, well, I use battle, then, it? then we're fucked. It doesn't just affect the guys on the battlefield, it affects us all, doesn't it? Mm. We're fucked. Mm. If he does it next Thursday, my birthday, I'm going to be seriously pissed. Well, I am seriously pissed, in the drunk sense, but still. But do you think if we hadn't have caused that coup in 2014, this would have all been avoided? No. No, I don't. Because they, those regions were always considered themselves Russian. And whether or not they... Even yeah, they think, weren't being persecuted in 2014. they get that nationalist well at some point. It may not happen this year, it might not have happened in another five years, but I think eventually, yeah. They consider themselves. You don't know about that. That's just speculation. It is speculation, but you've got no evidence to say it wouldn't either. It's no, but I've got evidence to say that it did happen. The queue happened. Yeah, and, and that and government came in and did it. Yes, and it's but some direct correlation is there to then him you know, yeah. in Ukraine. But are you saying it wouldn't have happened? Maybe it wouldn't have happened so soon. It would have always happened. I don't know that it would have happened. That's my point. I think it might have, but anyway. Well, I think it's a big point. You can't just say, but anyway, and just forget about it. No, I think it probably would have happened at some point if they considered themselves ethnically Russian. I want about sooner or later they'd have got that urge. I want about the neo-Nazis that we stirred up. Potentially stirred up neo-Nazis. Well, there's evidence that they're in the military. Potentially, yes. So if we hadn't started meddling in the first place... No, and that's the point. And this is also the point. We're, we've been sat here and we've been very critical of Putin and Russia. Of course, rightly right, so. Yeah. Rightly so. I think we're all in agreement there, are we? Yeah. 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 Well, I think at the same time we can hold. We've got to hold our hands up and some... say, look, we, we shouldn't have meddled either. We probably shouldn't have meddled, but let's face it, there also Iraq 2003. Yeah. We've got no moral high ground on this. We, we don't have a moral high ground because Russia could just turn around and say, well, what about Iraq? Yeah. But at the same time, we have to try and rebalance our moral scales <laughs> try as a, it's almost an impossibility isn't it of course it is but if helping the Ukrainian is, is the right thing to do we should defend their homes at the end of the day yeah so it boils down to nothing's more powerful than a man free man defending his home with an AK and 600 rounds of ammunition yeah so that's where I stand on it condemn Putin for what he's done but also recognise that we may have instigated it. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. We, sh we shouldn't have got involved in, in their elections because that's not fair. But this is too far. It's endangering the safety of the human race and the planet. Yeah. It's invading and sovereignty. Yeah, that's the potential to kill us all and it's not on. Surely the UN has to send some kind of message to Russia saying, look, you just can't invade other countries. You know, we're all about the United Planet and different countries... God, you can't just invade What happened to like Iraq and Kuwait? Same thing, isn't it? Yeah. And us in Iraq. Same no, us in Iraq was just lies. You know, in the first Gulf War, you know, Iraq invaded Kuwait out of the blue. They invaded another sovereign country. There was a lot of lies on about that as well, about the babies in the incubators. There was, there was. But who's to say we're not going to get that soon? Mm. Is everyone soon to be terrified or... Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. a little bit. It's on my mind, I must admit, mm. you know, it's like, well, you know, we had a Mackie's of the day, it was like, let's go with my last Mackie's. Fucking hell. Only have one a month. So um, this could be our, our last podcast, guys. Mm. No, we'll keep broadcasting through the apocalypse. It's a bet we've made. <laughs> Even if we're sat here slightly mutated. <laughs>
<laughs> Even if no one's listening, we'll still do it. Mm. <laughs> There's no one listening now. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of people listening. I love it. Well, I don't love it. It's terrible. I always sat here with three arms. No one wants that. Although if I can go to the pub and meet a three-titted woman, that'd probably make my life. Worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> I think three arms would make it easier wanking over a magazine. Especially with your three cocks you got there. <laughs> <laughs> it wanks over magazines, Pete. Yeah, I know, obviously. All I have to do now is hold my iPad. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, right, I think... Is that everything? Anything else Final to say? thoughts, anybody? Final, Final thoughts. thoughts. Fucking hell. So, I just hope it just blows over without too much fucking escalation. I have one final yeah, thought. Tonight, yeah. One final thought, and as this is considered a daily show, sometimes. I've read a lot of articles over my life on conspiracy theory websites on Facebook <laughs> that say that Russia is fighting the reptilians <laughs> in a secret war, unbeknownst to humanity. And has been doing this for many years and has captured alien tech and stuff like that and used it against them. So what you're saying is that we're under the yoke of the reptilians? What I'm saying is exactly that. The Western world is under the yoke of the reptilians and that Putin is actually slowly recapturing the earth for humanity and destroying the corrupt Western governments, freeing them of the, the people, the shackles of reptilian rule mm. in his ongoing campaign to free the earth of their influence. <laughs> oh, that's David, I like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you talk about one of our saints like that? Yeah, Saint Dyke. <laughs> My friend met him. Yeah. At one of the marches in Manchester last year. I should explain the saint to the show. Seems like a nice enough guy, and I, I do actually believe in about ninety percent of what he says. When there's that bit that makes yeah. you go, "What the fuck?" I need <laughs> more evidence for that. I should explain the saints to the show. There's three saints of the show. There's Saint Dyke, Saint Tony, and Saint Alex. David Icke, Tony Blair, and Alex Jones, the saint, patron saint of uh, conspiracy. Yeah. The patron saint of war crimes. The patron saint of bullshit. The patron saint of bullshit. <laughs> There's my theory that this is actually Putin and Russia and its allies freeing us mm. from the yoke of reptilian slavery. Okay. But I could argue that the reptilians own Russia as well. Apparently, oh, well, they've been fighting a, for years. It's all just a stage. What did um, Shakespeare say? The, uh, to be or not a, to be. Life is but a stage, and all the faithful merely players, or something like that. Actors, actors, or whatever. Yeah. Life is like a box of chocolates. You <laughs> never know what you're gonna get. It. All right, Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an odd one. There was Bill Cooper. Okay. <laughs> Bill Cooper said that the whole Cold War was a stage, mm. an American sub and a Russian sub met under the North Pole, docked, and then they were given their scripts for the previous year, for the next year, sorry. It's quite possible, isn't it? Who knows? Maybe this is Russia's script for the next year. Mm. Maybe they're driving us towards that war, the secret people who really run the world. I don't think there's any uh, reptilians. <laughs> and if aliens are watching us, they've fucking got the popcorn out and they're yeah. going, oh my God, they're still fighting over these Earth's, Earth's, Earth's oh, final man. season's looking fucking amazing, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> they're still fighting over the landmass from well, their I mean, ship. 
Well, Claire, what's your final thought? That's it. That, that, that is my final thought. That the, the aliens are mm. watching and just going, what? No way. Chomping their popcorn. Chomping their popcorn. This is best, oh, this oh, best be better than Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> When's the murder hornets coming back? That <laughs> <laughs> was left unresolved. The murder hornets never did show up, damn it. You need a payoff, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know when they'll show up, don't you? <laughs> we still have survived yeah. because the years of lead, it happens now, right? Literally right now, a nuke goes off. Yeah. The layers of council lead painting on these flats <laughs> over in the 60s shield us from radiation. <laughs> we live on beer and snacks and for, for a couple of weeks. Probably our own feces at this point. <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Couple we'll, of weeks. We'll raid the shop. Probably looking at at least a year, aren't you? Two, no, it maybe. depends if it's an airburst or a ground burst. Uh, It'll probably be an airburst because you want to occupy. That's my thing. <laughs> Could be a ground burst if you throw up more dust now. Anyway, when we come out, when we come out, they'll be like murder hornets. We murder hornets. We're like, oh no, that's murder hornets. <laughs> big in your head. Because <laughs> for some reason we would love to speak German that time. <laughs> <laughs> the better time we won't become fluent in German Ach, <laughs> <laughs> oh, das murder hornets <laughs> and that bombshell and that bombshell thank you very much for listening I'm in Ben don't drink the flavour don't join a cult don't invade neighbouring countries cunt yep I've been Mike thanks for listening peace out may the force be with you I've been Claire keep an open mind but not so open that it spills out your ears I've been Pete aim true shoot to kill <laughs> Two to the chest, one to the head, those are meat triple tap for life. There's any way to be sure. <laughs>